0: Chapter 4, we're going to read some verses here. Depend on God. Depending on God. Let's read in chapter 4. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh them up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth them all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down, fall down and worship me. And said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him and behold, angels came ministered unto Him. Uh, Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank You, Lord, for this passage of Scripture, Lord, and how Jesus is going to show us how to handle the devil, how to depend on God, how to trust You, and uh, to get through the trials and some of the temptations in our life. Heavenly Father, please meet with us today. We need You to meet with us. We need the truth from the Scriptures, and uh, we'll thank You, Holy Spirit, for bringing them to our remembrance, Lord, this morning. Father, we just love you We thank you for this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is being led by the Spirit into the wilderness, into the desert, into a waste place. And we've all been there at times, haven't we, in some wilderness places, some tough spots. But let me just say this, it's in the trials that we learn to trust God. That's when we learn to trust God, not on the mountaintop, not when everything's going good. God seems to take a back seat, but it's in the trials and the problems and the wildernesses that we learn to trust God. And our lives are guided by the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus. If we are in submission to Him, if we want Him to lead, the Holy Spirit will guide us. But sometimes God leads us into the wilderness, just like He did Jesus. And uh, why did that happen? Why was he subjected to these temptations? I think it's for our learning. I think it's to help us understand if this is how God handles a situation, this is the way I need to handle situations. And this is the way I need to look at the things that come up in my life. I just need to depend on God. So for an introduction, we may be put through trials and temptations and uh, different things to test our heart. God is just allowing these things to prove and test our hearts, to try us. He allows them. Or sometimes, it's just the course of life. It's just the way life is. As uh, sparks fly upward, so are the troubles that man has to experience, Job said. That's just the way life is. That is why, as Christians, we may have troubles and health issues and financial problems, among a myriad of other things in our life. But well, let me say this, when those things come into your life, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that God has moved away from you. When those things happen, it doesn't mean that God stopped caring about you. He still loves you. If you just look at chapter 3 and in verse 17, in 16, Jesus is baptized and the Spirit of God comes down like a dove. And in verse 17, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then the Spirit leads him out into the wilderness. For 40 days, he doesn't eat. I mean, you would think, how can that happen? I mean, I think he's well pleased. God is well pleased with his son. But the next step is, now I'm taking you into the wilderness to continue to get you ready for your public ministry. And so Jesus could show us how to handle the devil. The same thing happens with us. We could be on the mountaintop, and then all of a sudden we're out in the wilderness. It's just the way God works. He knows how to handle our hearts, how to prove our hearts. There could be consequences of bad decisions. That could be some of the problems that we're having in our life are just because we've chosen to make our own decision and and not listen to God. It could be because of sin in our lives. And we're suffering the consequences of that sin. God can forgive us. The consequences still remain. Or it's just God's proving ground. God is allowing us in our life to draw us closer to Him, to see if we'll depend upon Him, to see if we'll trust Him. So we have to do as Jesus did, when confronted with temptation and with worldly desires. What did He do? And we're going to find that out. So let me just give you some thoughts. See your life as a battleground. I don't think we see that today, as much as Christians used to see it. That our life, there's a battle going on. There's a war against us. The devil hates you. See your life as a battleground because Satan wants to destroy you. Jesus is the one that said, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I don't see anything good there. The devil wants to destroy your life. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy your children and your family and everything about you. Guess what? Satan hates you. He does not love you. Not one bit. And He's trying to lead us in to fall for the temptations of the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, so that we fall into gross sin. And we start to suffer the consequences of that. Can I just tell you, you need to fight back. You need to resist the devil in faith and in dependence upon God. The devil tried to attack Jesus. The same way he's been attacking for 6,000 years. Hadn't changed from the very beginning. Genesis chapter 3. Let's turn there. Genesis chapter 3. I hope you mark Matthew. We've got to go back there every once in a while. Genesis chapter 3. We're right here at the beginning. Adam has just gotten his wife. Then chapter 3 begins. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Genesis chapter 3, and verse 1. And he said unto the woman, Yea, have God said, Ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden? Look at the devil casting doubt upon what God had said. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it. She shall stop there. Neither shall ye touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. That's the greatest lie that was ever told. Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, the pride of life. She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her. And what did Adam do? He did eat. Eyes wide open, headlong, and plunged the world into sin. Why? Because he disobeyed God in rebellion against God. But do you see how the devil attacked? Through the lust of the eyes, through the lust of the flesh, through the pride of life. Now why does he keep doing it the same way for 6,000 years? Because it works. Because it works. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It isn't broke, it works. Every time we're lust, we're tempted, we're, we're tempted the same way. And look what the consequences were, that their eyes were open. Their eyes of them both were open and they were... And they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron. And it wasn't until God killed the lambs and covered them and showed them that blood had to be shed now in order to, in order to uh, satisfy God's wrath and their sin. What happened? They died. It was a loss of innocence and then fear and separation from God. And the same thing can happen to us. But the devil's been attacked in the same way. And you know, it came right after Adam had just received his wife. In chapter 2, verses 23 through 25, what a joyous time. Adam gets a woman to be with him, his companion, his help meet. And then comes the serpent. So when things are going good, you better still depend upon God. You better not forget God. Because the devil's coming. And he's gonna to try to bring you in to some temptation and destroy your life. And guess what? God allowed it. God allowed this in the garden. He could have stopped the serpent, couldn't have he? He could have, but he didn't. Because you have a free will. You have a choice. Devil would like us to deny God and live independently of him. That's what the lusts are for. That's what the temptation is for. Draw away from God and do what you want to do. That's to live independent of God. That's what he was doing here. And God allowed it because you have a free will. You have a choice to choose. God doesn't want robots. He wants you to love Him, choose Him, depend upon Him, and trust Him. God wants you to do that. Not take matters into our own hands. And stop trusting Him, but depend on God. Now, let's look at the first temptation. Back to Matthew chapter 4. Back to Matthew chapter 4. The lust of the flesh. Verses 3 and 4. If thou be the Son of God. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. What happens when the lust of the flesh comes? We need to trust God and His Word. We need to trust Him. Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. And He's hungry. I'm sure of it. Because the Bible says so. And after it He was a hungered. And the de- devil comes when he thinks Jesus is at His weakest point. How would you like to go without food for 40 days? You'd be very weak. But you know what happens when we fast? We have to depend upon God. And when we do, we get maybe weak physically, but we get stronger spiritually. Jesus was at the pinnacle. Now, He's God in the flesh. But all that fasting only made Him depend more and more and more on His Father. And when He's asked to turn stones into bread, He said, No, no, we live by the Word of God. We live by the Word of God, not physical food. That's what Jesus was living on. Jesus was weak physically, but He was at His greatest strength spiritually. And the devil, right away, cast doubt on Jesus' sonship, if thou be the Son of God. And sometimes God, God allows the devil to do that to you. To cast doubt on whether you're saved or not. To cast doubt, am I really saved? Am I really a child of God? Hey look, if you got saved, if you're born again, then you're saved forever. You're not only saved, you're safe, And you're secure. You cannot lose your salvation. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It matters what the Bible says. Once saved, you're always saved. Don't let the devil put doubts in your mind. I know I had it happen to me one time. He put a doubt in my mind that I was saved. And I'll tell you, I had to pull the car over. This was when I was back in New Jersey, back in the States. Just a younger Christian. And I was going to... I was going on Tuesday night to go soul winning. To go out with the pastor and the other people there to go soul winning and knock on some doors. And as I was driving down the road, I suddenly had this thought in my mind. Where are you going? Why are you doing this? They don't care if you go out and knock on those doors. In fact, you know what? Are you even saved? And I can tell you that's exactly what I heard in my mind. The devil was putting thoughts in my mind. What are you doing? And I had to pull the car over. And I said, devil, get out. I know I'm saved. You know, I I remember when I got saved. And the moment I started quoting Scripture, what's that uh, that Scripture? 1 John 5.12. I can't get it now. Come on. 5.12. Well, that's 13. Anyway, I quoted Scripture that I knew then anyway. (laughs) I knew it then, and the devil knew I knew it, and he got out. I'm telling you, it stopped. Now, his voice is... It was just thoughts. Like they were my thoughts. But they were the devil's thoughts. And he got out of the car. And I drove on and went soul winning. The devil's going to try to put thoughts in your mind. Why are you serving God? Why are you dependent on this God? He doesn't care about you. Especially when you're hungry. <laughs> when you've been fasting. God doesn't care about you. Jesus teaches us how to battle the devil and the lust of the flesh. We need to trust the Father. Trust God. Depend upon God. And depend upon your Bible. You can't see God, but you can see this book. And it's right there in front of you. And this is the Word of God. Live every day completely dependent upon God. Jesus quotes to the devil out of Deuteronomy. If you turn there. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Jesus quotes from this portion of Scripture. Deuteronomy 8.3 And it says, He humbled... And He humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord, doth man live. You know, it's one thing to quote the verse. It's one thing to know the verse. It's a whole different thing to live the verse. Because that's what Jesus did. He went ahead and lived the verse. He didn't. The temptation didn't bother him. He said, no, God has said, I need to live by the Word of God. Not making myself, satisfying my flesh, especially after you've cast out on on the fact that I am the Son of God. Jesus lived the verse. Be be, Be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. That's where the power comes from. To live for God. By obeying the verse. Jesus knew what it was to humble himself. And then depend upon God. And obey God. And we need to learn that. We need to learn that we're just frail and vain at best. Vanity and nothing without God. I was telling the teens yesterday that we are powerless against God. And we are powerless without God. We need Him. Don't fight against God. Resist the devil in faith. Fight against the devil. Fight against those who don't love you. And that's the devil and his demons. But... Jesus lived the Word of God. And my friend, obedience is the legs of faith. Obedience is the legs of faith. you say you trust God? Show me. That's what James says. Show me you have faith. Where is your obedience to the Scriptures? You know, my dad, when I was little, I was only about three and a half. I can remember this. It's amazing. I can't remember what happened yesterday, but I can remember this one event by the pool where we lived in an apartments, back in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I remember my dad taking me down. It was the shallow end, but it was still over my head. And I was only three and a half. And I remember dad standing there saying, jump, jump, come on. And the only reason I jumped was because I trusted my father. I mean, there he was. He wasn't going to let me and he did, though. By the way, he did. He let me go into the water because he wanted to teach me how to swim. I started swimming at a very early age. But I, do, I, I trusted him. But he was just trying to get me to jump in and, and experience what it, to, to start swimming. But I trusted my dad. And you can trust your Heavenly Father. You can depend upon him. He's, all, he's not going to leave you. He'll not forsake you. The Bible would be his provision and his sufficiency for Jesus Christ. And we have to see that the same way. We desperately need to learn that the Bible and trusting God is enough for us. Because in verse 7, the Bible says this in Deuteronomy 8, 7, For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land. You see that, Deuteronomy 8, 7? A land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and hills. And he goes on with wheat and barley. In verse 9, Thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Verse 10, when thou hast eaten and art full, when thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee, beware that thou forget not the Lord God, thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Remember when you're full. Remember when God has blessed your life. Don't forget God. Verse 14, then thy heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You remember how he helped you through those great battles in the terrible wilderness wherein the fiery serpents and scorpions in verse 15. And then down into verse 17. And thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of mine hands hath gotten me this well. we got to be careful. We don't ever tell God, I did this. He might decide to show us that we didn't do this. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is He that giveth thee power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant, which He sware unto thy fathers as it is this day. I'm just saying, Jesus already knew that we have to desperately trust and depend upon God and His Word. God is there. Don't forget Him. And let me ask you this. Could Jesus have turned the stones into bread? Of course He could. Would it have glorified God? No. That wouldn't have glorified God. And we need to desire God's word, which is, which is needs to be the satisfaction of our soul. We need to desire God's word like Job did. You remember what he said? I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I would love to be at that point. I would really love to be able to say, here you go. What is truly more precious to me? Physical food or this book? Hmm. I think about that. because Jesus said, it's, it's, God said this. God said that, and I will not go against God. I will trust Him and depend upon Him. Ask yourself, what could I live without the longest? Food or reading the Bible? I don't think any of us can answer that, honestly, could we? We'd want to eat, wouldn't we? But This book, if we trust God, He'll take care of us. He really will. You know, we just need to trust God. You know, it's God's will. It really is. It, how do I want to say this? Is it the lust of the flesh to eat and sleep and marital, marital intimacy between couples? Is, is that the lust of the flesh? No. That's okay. God, God said that's, that's fine. But we're not to be gluttonous. We're not to be lazy. And we're not to be fornicators. God has given us a lot of good things. But to do them under His control and under His, and obey His word and not be, not be fooled by the lust of the flesh and go after things that are going to hurt us. God wants us to trust Him and desire Him and not forget Him. He's a good Heavenly Father, isn't He? God proves us and He humbles us to, to reveal what's in our hearts. He allows these things to happen in our life to reveal what's in our hearts to us and hopefully to remember Him and to trust Him. I just wish our spiritual desire and our hunger for, uh, for God was greater than our lust for the flesh when, so te- tem- when those temptations come in our life. So Jesus just quoted back the Word of God and He depended upon His Father. The second temptation is the pride of life. Go back to Matthew chapter Matthew chapter four, the pride of life. In verse five it says, Thus the devil. Then the devil taketh him up into a whole, up into the holy city and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, Cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. Pride of life. Don't tempt God. What did Jesus say? It is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You don't tempt God. You don't presume on God what he's going to do. Someone said this morning, he's not a genie. Pride tempts God. A prideful life tempts God. Now the devil doesn't give up easily, does he? He plays to our pride. And he tried to do the same thing with Jesus Christ. Cast thyself down off the temple. No worries. Because the Bible says the angels are going to take care of you. You won't break a leg. You won't dash your foot against a stone. You're Jesus You're the Son of God. Jesus knew who He was. The devil didn't have to remind Him of that. His standing with God. But the devil was playing to that. Look, it's written. You're not even going to dash your foot against the stone. Cast yourself down. Tempt God. You know, He can do the same thing to us. We're saved. We're children of God. We're safe and secure knowing we're on our way to heaven. And the devil will play to that. Go ahead. Tempt God. You can't lose your salvation. He said He would forgive all your sins. Tempt Him. That's presumptuous. That's presuming upon God. That's a life of pride. We shouldn't do that. Yes, God will be God. We are not to presume. We are not to tempt Him. And Jesus, if He threw Himself off of there, still had to go to the cross, didn't He? But he wasn't going to do that because that would have been prideful. That would have been tempting his Heavenly Father to just put him right down there on the pavement of those stones. Pride lifts itself up and thinks of itself and not of God. We've all been there. What we want. Pride thinks of what we want and our interests. It doesn't have its eyes on God. Pride and humility. Pride needs nothing. Pride says we need nothing, but expects everything. That's a prideful person. But humility needs God and expects nothing. It's just the opposite. See, pride and humility, both will take you a long way, but they're both going in opposite directions. One is going away from God, and one is going to God, in complete dependence upon God. And that was Jesus. You know, turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8 and verse 44. I want you to know this truth before we go to Psalm 91. John eight forty-four, ye are of your father the devil. Talking to the Pharisees there. John eight forty-four. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. Brother, know this. The truth mixed with a little lie in it is a lie. It doesn't become truth and lie. The truth with a little lie mixed in is a lie. That's why you want to be careful of your new, the new Bibles. That take away from the Word of God or add to the Word of God. Be careful of these books that are coming out. Turn it into a bunch of new age Christians that are trusting in books about this life and that life and the purpose driven life. Or this, all these different books that are out there. You know what they wind up being about? Not God, about you. You can do better. You can lift yourself up. Like God is some kind of a genie. Be careful of that. That's man's wisdom, not God's wisdom. There's a, people believe that, and I'm sure we've all thought about this fact that you get a book, and maybe it's, maybe it's NIV. The author's based his, his teachings on the NIV or some other perverted scripture. And uh, we read the book about, I don't know, Help Yourself Be Close to God is the name of the book. And the, and the author uses the NIV. I'm not saying don't read it. That's between you and God. But people will say, well, look, you just pull the bead out and throw away the bones. I'm sorry, but I'm not as smart as the devil. I want this book. I want my Bible. I want the truth. I want to be able to know that what I'm reading is absolute truth. Not something's been changed. Because frankly, sometimes you can wind up not knowing what's meat and what's bones. And you're chewing on gristle. And I just don't want to do that for me. I would rather know that I have the truth before me. I have my King James Bible. I'm just saying be careful with that kind of philosophy because you may wind up swallowing a bone. You may get on YouTube and think this guy is unbelievable. That's the greatest preacher since sliced bread. Look at this guy, and your pastor gets up here for 22 years and preaches and preaches the word of God, and you don't even listen to him. We don't even pay attention. But when this guy says it's like that came right from heaven. Look, be careful when the devil comes with a Bible under his arm. Because that's what Satan did here with Jesus. He came to Jesus with a Bible tucked under his arm. Turn to Psalm 91. You are not smarter than the devil and neither am I. He knows the Word of God and he knows how to change it, add to it, take away from it, twist it. Be careful. You better take this book and apply it to your life and trust this book The Bible you have on your lap, in Psalm 91 and verse 11, it says, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Do you see what the devil left out? He didn't quote the whole verse. He left out to keep thee in all thy ways. Was this the way of God? Was this the will of God? Was this godliness? To throw yourself off a temple and tempt God? God will take care of us. But His way, not our way, to keep thee in all thy ways. That's what the devil kept out. He pulled that out when he quoted that to Jesus. He wasn't fooling Jesus and he won't fool you either because he's the greatest deceiver. If you stick to this book, that Bible is the most important thing that we have today. In a world that has gone absolutely crazy. There was another bombing in New York yesterday. You don't know if you're having coffee at BB's if there's going to be some guy going to blow the place up. You really don't know. Besides that, you have good people walking around totally oblivious to God. God's not even in their thoughts. No, they're not blowing anybody up. But they're headed straight to hell just as on the broad way as fast as they can. We're supposed to be winning them and talking to them and trying to share our gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. What do we have in this world? We have each other. We have this book. We have the promises of God. We have got to depend on God through all these temptations. 2 Corinthians 11.14 says, And no marvel, for Satan himself, is transformed into an angel of light. How are you going to know when he shows up? The Bible This book will tell you whether you're being deceived. Jesus knew that. When Satan starts quoting Scripture, you better be careful. Open your Bible and read it and trust it. Satan left out some words from Scripture. To keep thee in all thy ways. This was not God's will. This wasn't Jesus' way. This would be tempting God and presuming that He would do this or do that by casting Himself down. That wouldn't be godliness, nor would it be trusting or depending upon God. So we shouldn't do that either. We shouldn't presume on God that God will just be God and do what He does. He will, but He's also a sovereign God and we are not to live a life of pride that we would tempt God. God tells us to prove us in one area and that's tithing. You want to prove God? Prove Him through your tithe. He said, I'll open up the windows of heaven. heaven. That's the only time he says, prove me herewith. Test me. Go ahead and try me. But he doesn't tell me to walk around in a life of pride, testing God every time I feel like I want to sin. And have God just, just uh, help me whenever I need him. Jesus would never tempt God, and neither should we. But we do. And I'm just trying to say, we need to trust this book. We need to trust the Bible. We believe God responds a certain way, and He will. He'll act a certain way, and He does. But we shouldn't tempt Him to act a certain way. It's not my my way to do that. It shouldn't be my way to do that. I, I don't want to make God have to do something because He said He would. That's tempting God. You know, one way we tempt God is through presumptuous sin. Look at Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Psalm 19.13 Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression of tempting God, really. Of tempting God. Presuming. Doing sin knowing that, well... 1 John 1-9 is in the Bible. (laughs) All i got to do is confess it. And He said He'd forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Are we kidding? Can we just presume that God's going to be God and just sin and say, well, God will forgive me? What is Romans? Turn to Romans chapter 6. Forget 2 Peter there for right now. Turn to Romans chapter 6. All this comes from a heart of pride and self-will that we would force God's hand to forgive us for presumptuous sins? Look, maybe some of us have done it, probably all of us at one time or another. Sinned knowing we could just ask God to forgive us. Romans 6, chapter chapter 6, verse 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin, that grace may abound? God forbid! How shall we that are dead to sin sin live any longer therein. We cannot presume upon the forgiveness of God. Continuing in sin because of God's grace and His mercy and His goodness, God forbid. The power of sin has been broken in our lives. That's how God wants us to live. Free. Not in self-bondage. Putting ourselves back into bondage and our own pride and self-will. If we cast ourselves into sinful situations, presuming upon God's character and promises, we're tempting God. And we're not to tempt God. Now, if you're sitting here now thinking, I've done that before, ask God to forgive you. Like all the rest of us had to. But don't do it again. Don't presume on, God, on God's forgiveness and tempt Him. That's why Jesus said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. I'm not going to throw myself over this temple and presume upon God my, the Father gently laying me on the ground because I have to go to the cross yet. That's wrong. I'm just not going to do that. We presume upon God for tomorrow. Tomorrow's coming. That's alright. Tomorrow's coming. We presume on the car starting. We presume on our job being there. We presume on the food being in the refrigerator and in the cabinet. That's okay. But we begin to to, to depend upon the presumption instead of God. We start presuming and, and I'm sorry, we start depending upon those things instead of God who provided those things. You see how Deuteronomy said, lest I forget that I gave them to you. Don't presume upon that food being there. Presume that God is good and God will take care of me. That's what I can presume on, that God will take care of me. And the food will be there when I need it. We begin to, to depend upon the presumption and not God. Everything can change in a moment. But God can't. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13 8 says. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, and today, and forever. You know, Jesus chose to trust His Father in heaven, and He quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted Him in Massa. That's what He quoted back. Now, He didn't mention Massa, but He said, ye shall not tempt the Lord your God Turn to Exodus chapter 17. What brought them to this place? Exodus chapter 17. That Jesus was quoting about it in Deuteronomy. Back in Exodus chapter 17, the children of Israel are thirsting and they started murmuring and chiding, which means quarreling against Moses. Exodus, chapter seven, uh, yeah, Exodus 17 and verse 2. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Why are you quarreling and scolding and murmuring against me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses. said, Wherefore is that, the, that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel, and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand, and go. Look at verse 6. Behold, I will stand upon thee, stand before thee, there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink, and Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of that place Massa and Mirabah, because of the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us? Is the the Lord among us? And the Lord provided water for them by striking the rock. Need I remind you what it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 4, as Paul is talking to the church at Corinth and telling them about this story. He said, And they did all drink the same spiritual drink, For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. When Moses smit, uh, hit that rock with the, with the, uh, with his rod, it was like Calvary. It was Christ being smitten at Calvary. Christ was, had to be put on the cross because he loves us and he showed his love when he was smitten there at Calvary. And it shows us that same thing here when Moses struck the rock. And outpoured water for people who were tempting Him and chatting against His leader. Never presume that God won't be good. God is always good. God will always take care of you. And He showed that when He was smitten at Calvary. Never presume upon the love and care of Jesus Christ. He's going to take care of us. You can depend on that. But don't presume on such love. Just love Him back. Satan tries to cast doubt on the goodness of God and His ability to care for His people and provide for us. And the pride of life tries to prove God by tempting Him. We just need to depend upon Him. Don't tempt Him. The Lord is there even though you don't see Him. You can trust Him. He's right there. Faith believes that God is there. Now look, there's the lust of the eyes. Go back to Matthew. There's the lust of the eyes. In Matthew four eight, it says, And again, again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Sayeth unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and Him only shalt thou serve. This is the lust of the eyes. And by the way, our eyes are the main entrance. That is the main gateway. It's been said the eyes are the window to the soul. That's how Satan gets in so many times into our life. And we need to guard our eyes well. We can close them. We can avert our eyes. Keep from looking at things we shouldn't. Or we can set our affections on things above and train our eyes to keep them focused on Jesus Christ. You know, the devil wants to give the creator of the world all these kingdoms, all these earthly kingdoms. He's going to give Jesus Christ, the creator, these kingdoms. Whoopee. Right? That's a big deal. What is this to the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills? The Babylonian Empire. Maybe the Assyrian Empire swooshed by before his sight. Maybe Rome, which was about to go into ashes in another few hundred years. The Egyptian empire, the Medes and the Persians, all these great empires. They're all in ashes. What did did the devil want? He wanted worship. Bow down and worship me, the devil says. And that's what the devil wants from you. He wants you to worship him through the lust of your eyes. This is the devil's greatest desire, is to have the worship that's only meant for God. You think, I never worship anything but God. Sometimes you worship money. Sometimes you worship some other idol in your house, or some idol in your life. Maybe it's a brand new car. It's like you can't take your eyes off it. Look at that thing. Smell that. That's the lust of the nose. Get in there and smell that new car. Wow. And you never want it to get dirty. That's the lust of the eyes. But that thing becomes like a god. You go out and you wash it every other day. You know? Be careful when you put your feet. Put them right on the mat. Don't move them off to the side. (laughs) If you've ever had a new car, right? The devil here is trying to get Jesus to look at all that i will give you. Just bow down and worship. He was cast out of heaven for this desire. God cast him out of heaven because he said, I will exalt my throne above the throne of God. Because he wanted the worship that's only meant for God. For us, the choice is everything that we see and everything that we want, we can have and enjoy. That's the choice. But first, we have to take our eyes off of Jesus Christ. If they're planted on Jesus, those other things get a little fuzzy. You keep your focus on Jesus Christ. You're going to have to refocus on something else if you take your eyes off of Christ. This is the lust of the eyes. Giving them all that they want and all that they see, isn't that the advertising industry? Aren't they trying to get a hold of your eye gate and get that down in there so you go? I gotta have it. I just gotta have that. That you know, that is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I got I'm gonna go out and buy it. The fashion industry does the same thing, trying to lure girls to dress a certain way. And now the guys, they're, they're, they're dressing like girls. You can't tell who's a, who's a man and who's a woman anymore. But these skinny pants and this kind of pants. What, what is a skinny pants? I, I am not going to be wearing skinny pants. I guarantee you. It just wouldn't look right, would it? I'm just, I'm just dressing in men's clothes and you dress in women's clothes, that's all. But, then there's the car industry, like I said. And what about holidays? Go here, go there. Yeah, can you see yourself there? Can you see yourself there? I'm just saying, the industry is out there. They're appealing to what? This. Your eyes. What you see. (laughs) And you know, they're not all sinful. But it is capturing our attention. It's distracting us. It's pulling us away from something we should be focused on. And that's Jesus Christ. You know you can only focus on one thing at a time? It's impossible to focus on two or three things at once. So you know that multitasking thing that everybody's doing now? Eh. You're still only doing one thing at a time, right? Even a juggler juggling five or six balls is still focused on one thing—juggling the balls. I'm multitasking. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I got the computer going. I got the iPad. I'm doing all these things. Yeah, you're doing all those things, but you're not doing one thing well. You're doing a lot of other things. You're getting a lot done, but you didn't devote—you didn't really focus on that and concentrate on that and do it as best you could. And that's where the devil's got—is multitasking. That's a bunch of hooey. You know, the the eye focuses on one thing, and the rest gets fuzzy. So if you focus on God and the Bible, guess what happens to the world? It gets fuzzy. It's there. You're looking at me. Look at me. <laughs> as, as hard as that could be, look at me, <laughs> and just focus on me. Now. Over there's the screen, and over there's the Perko. Uh, the but if you're looking just at me, those things are just fuzzy. You know they're there, but you're focused on me. Focus your gaze on the Bible and Jesus Christ, and the world will still be there, but it gets fuzzy. And your attention is on Jesus Christ. And that will get you through the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. When you keep your focus on Jesus, the world's out there, but it's just fuzzy. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. I want to be different. I know it's there, but it doesn't garner my attention because my focus is on one thing, Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And I'm depending on God and His Word to get me through. Why? Because that's just the way Jesus did And if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. And He taught me something. So where is your focus today? Because that's garnered your attention. What are you focused on today? and what are you depending on more, more than the food and the, everything else in your life? Are you depending upon God? So the conclusion, did God did God lead Jesus into the wilderness? Yes. Did God allow the devil to tempt Jesus? Yes. And the same thing could happen to us. God could take us into the wilderness. God allows the devil to tempt us. It's just to prove our hearts. It's to test us. It's to draw us closer to Him. Jesus lived the Scriptures. There's a big difference between being able to quote a million verses. The Bible says to hide my heart, hide my, my word in your heart that I might not sin against it. That's where the man hides it. That's where the woman hides the word in his heart. Not just up in your head as information, but in your heart. And be a doer of the Word of God, that's what's going to get you all the way through. So Jesus lived the scriptures and he quoted to Satan each time he was tempted, and you can do the same thing. and what happens? the devil's defeated. Jesus chose each time not to give in to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And neither do you, young person, you don't have to give in to all the pressures at school and out there on the pitch and with your friends. You don't have to give in to that. You could find some different friends, by the way. But if you start focusing in on what your parents have been telling you, focus in on the Bible, and focus in on Jesus Christ, and have a personal relationship with God, and walk with Him every day, the things of the world will get fuzzy. And you'll find out you won't get caught up in gross sin, and wind up destroying your life. Because a lot of us in here are still have the scars from it. You don't have to go down that road. Or you can be prideful and think you got it all figured out. You know, Jesus honored God. And he chose not to live independently from him. And that's what the devil wants. You can do it on your own. You don't need God. Are you kidding? I need God, Job said, more than food. I need this word. I need God. If I'm going to make it through. The song says, trust and obey, for there's no other way. You'll be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. You know, God sent His angels to minister to Jesus Christ there in the wilderness. The devil had to go. He'll do the same thing for you. When you're at your lowest, you come through and you trust God and you depend upon Him, God will send the angels. God will take care of you. God will lift you up. God will take care of you. You don't have to worry about that. He'll do the same for you if you let Him. Let me ask you this. Was there ever a time in your life that you depended upon Jesus Christ for salvation? When did you get saved? I didn't ask you when you got religious, when you started going to church. When were you born again? If you can't remember a time when you were born again, then you need to be born again. Because everybody in here that's born again remembers when they got born again. It's not just some religious experience. When were you born again? If you can't point to that time when you trusted Christ as your personal Savior, today is the day of salvation. To depend upon God to go to heaven and not your good works or your religion. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts. God, we need You. We need to depend upon You. There's just too much out there in the world that can capture our attention. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. It's all out there, and the devil uses it in our life. Oh, God, help us to depend on You. Not ourselves. Not to get prideful and self-willed. To humble ourselves. Let You prove us and draw us close to You like you did your own son Jesus Christ learned obedience through the things which he suffered if it's good enough for the son of God it's good enough for us help us to trust you, Lord Jesus help us to keep our focus on you and then we'll realize that the things of the world start to get fuzzy and they're just on the sides and on the peripheral of our vision but our focus is on Jesus Christ and this book and that's what we're going to depend on. And we're going to start having those victories in our life. And we're, Lord, when the devil comes knocking, we're going to fight for our families too because all he wants to do is kill and destroy and steal from us. Let us fight for our children. Don't let them get out there in the world. God, help us. to Fight for our children. Father, if there's someone out here this morning that's not sure they're born again, oh God, I pray you would bring strong conviction on them. But there's no other way to heaven but through Jesus Christ. So we love you this morning, Lord. I pray that something has gotten down in our hearts. Something we can put our, hand, put our finger on and, and trust and just know that you're there. We want to depend upon God. Lord, please lead and guide in the invitation. Speak to hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.